Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Materializing Mindset Podcast with me, your host, Michael Helton, but more importantly, today, our guest, Albert Sousa. Today, Albert and I talk about how white Lamborghini Diablos and the art of obtaining a Game Boy help to create and maintain an entrepreneurial spirit. Albert has used that same spirit as the fuel to create Mortgage Apex, his own mortgage brokerage here in downtown Fort Walton Beach, close to all your favorite restaurants. Albert loves the community he's in and calls home. From vending machines to VA loan mastery, Albert has always driven to do his very best in each business pursuit, and that includes leading his team. Albert breaks down his vision for his team and provides some incredible insights on how he starts the day with his team and I'm already implementing with myself with great success. Aside from his ability to procure funds, Albert also loves the art of gathering. Whether when he was overseeing young professionals here for the Fort Walton Beach Chamber back in 2023 or spreading knowledge throughout the community at Pints and Properties, Albert is a shining light of community and closed properties here in Fort Walton Beach. And I'm excited for you all to hear him today on this edition of the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Enjoy the show. Everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Today, we've got Albert Sousa on the pod. Albert, how are you, sir? Doing great. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Of course. Of course. Well, you know, Albert, you and I first met um, when I was working with a different company back in April. You were hosting Pints and Properties over there at Mortgage Apex and, and you know, the YP chair for the young professionals groups here at the Fort Walton Beach of Commerce. And, um, you know, when I first met you, it was just something that was very clear to me that that you were big on connection and, and making sure that you were creating a network that people wanted to be a part of. And um, really for me, coming into a new job and being welcomed into YP and, and being invited out to Pints and Properties to come meet new people, that was a pivotal moment for me. So I just want to say thank you for that. Cause That's that was, awesome. yeah, to hear that. yeah, man, it, it really kind of eased a lot of the pressure of me being in a new role, not really knowing any agents, not knowing anybody in the real estate market and just having you saying, Hey man, I introduced you to some people. Hey, come out to Pines properties. Hey, you know, young professionals groups got a kickball thing going on. So, um, that was really awesome. And, and, you know, so I just want to say thanks for that, but you know, you're owning that that mortgage broker over here in, in downtown Fort Walton at Mortgage Apex. And uh, so I just want to kind of start there, man. So so tell me about Mortgage Apex. I mean, yeah, well, we can't gloss over the fact that you had the game winning kickball. OK, catch, yeah, you know, yeah, total yeah. Moment. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, I appreciate you saying all that community is really important. I just want to say that first and foremost, um, I think that, you know, you've been around the mortgage or excuse me, the real estate industry, mortgage industry, all these different things and mm -hmm. connections are so important. Community is so important. I can't do everything myself. I don't know all the answers. So having people in my corner that I can call and say, oh, you know, short-term rentals, let me call you and, you know, ask so I can help provide the best value to my clients. That's mm -hmm. like the most important thing. So um, community is huge. We're trying to continue to build that, but I, it makes me happy to know that you felt that community and that, uh, you know, you felt like you're like, okay, hey, now that I've stepped in here, maybe I kind of leveled up my network a little bit. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So yeah. And then um, as far as Mortgage Apex, um, yeah, we started 2021. Um, we're relatively new, kind of the new kids in town, mm -hmm. and um, I'm stoked for the future. I think we're primed, especially here in the beginning of 2024. Um, we've definitely been climbing an uphill battle, so I think we're primed to see some some even better years ahead. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we're looking to continue to invest and in and continue to be different. I think that's one of the things that's really set us apart. Yeah. So, what made you decide on that on that mortgage apex? Because that's a really interesting term there you know yeah you know it's funny all the boomers are like oh apex you should have done triple a because you'd be at the top of the phone book and i'm like <laughs> well nobody looks at phone books so <laughs> um but no you know the, the reason for that is uh i've always been really into cars uh racing has always been something that's like really kind of piqued my interest and like literally since i was a, a, talking about being a little kid you know before this being like a little kid two years old maybe like obsessed with toy cars like mm -hmm. before i even remember this is what my parents tell me um, so it's always been a part of me it's always been something i've been interested in and um you know when you're going through an apex of a turn uh if you're familiar with racing you're going to go from the outside you're going to cut into the inside and then cut into the outside and when you do that it eases the bend mm -hmm. so that you can rip through that turn as fast as possible without slowing down but the kick the funny thing is is that it's actually you know not the shortest distance right it's the longest distance but it's the fastest distance mm -hmm. so i always liked that aspects uh, of you know apex of a turn so i wanted to bring that in uh, with mortgage apex so, you know we're going to go through very quickly very efficiently 
might not always be like the traditional shortest way. Um, and on top of that, you know, apex being like an apex predator, it's kind of like both things. Yeah. So we want to be the best. That's awesome, man. I love that, that terminology there that it's not conventional. It's, it's might not be the way you think it is, but it'll get you to the finish line faster, yep, you know? And, and that's so awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of double entendres. So it's really cool that you do have the apex predator in there too, you know? And, um, so, so kind of, you know, walk me through that. I mean, you know, I, I don't think you just fall into owning a mortgage business, right? So, I mean, you, you started, I'm sure as a loan officer. So, so kind of let us know how that transition came about. I did. Yeah. So I'll actually walk back to when my wife and I first started dating, <clears throat> this was back in 2015. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my wife's dad, who's now my father-in-law, he's big wig in the mortgage industry. He speaks, trains all over the country, does consulting for, um, lenders all over the country. And he got to know me a little bit. And, you know, I, I think I've told you before I had a background, we won't go super in depth, but I had a background of entrepreneurialism. Like I started a vending machine business when I was 19. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. It kicked me off. And I just was always like hungry. And he, I think he saw that. He saw that I was interested in numbers and he saw that I was interested in people because I was also very interested in stocks at the time. And so he was like, Albert, you should get into being a you know loan officer. You'd probably do pretty well at it. So after thinking about it for a little bit, I was like, all right, let's do it. As the young kids would say, all right, bet. <laughs> so, um, you know, sign me up. And uh, he had a great lender out in Charlotte, like one of his top people at the time called Wyndham Capital Mortgage. And the cool thing about them is that it was just such a culture of like young, hungry, like right out of college, work hard mentality. Um, and so I actually went up there to go visit um Charlotte for the first time, got to walk through. And I remember like walking through the sales floor and everyone's got standing desks. Everyone's on the phone. Like everyone's, you know, just talking mortgages, talking real estate. Mm -hmm. There was buzz and energy and I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get in there. So, yeah. you know, I went in, um, joined the team. Um, I got licensed. That was in 2017. And <clears throat> excuse me, that was in 2017. And then, um, did really well as a loan officer. I got to sit next to some really awesome key people. Um, one guy, I'll shout out, his name is Fernando. I sat next to him. He was one of the top loan officers as well. And um, the reason why I say that is because I watched him walk away and him start his own brokerage. Mm. And you know, I kind of saw that on social media, saw it on the background. I'm like, man, that's awesome. You're doing that. Thinking like, okay, I think I want to do that, but I don't know if I'm quite ready. So I, you know, I went and learned at another lender. Then I went and joined Actually, Dale, my father-in-law, he has Mortgage Champions, that company. So I joined him. I got to go and travel and see all these different lenders operate. And from there, I realized um, when COVID happened, we did no more traveling, nothing but Zoom calls, a lot of time to think. And I realized, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just sitting around. I'm not really happy with the Zoom call thing. I'm ready to do my own thing. I remember driving down the road and my wife, I'm telling my wife, I want to do something. I got to do something like I'm going to start a pressure washing company. I'm going to start a painting company. I'm going to start like any kind of thing. And she's like, you could just do mortgages. Mm -hmm. Like you already know that business. I was like, oh yeah, I could. Like <laughs> that's the easy way. Yeah. You know? So we, uh, you know, decided to start the mortgage brokerage. It was COVID. So I had to wait like five months for me to get all my licenses because everything mm -hmm. was backed up. And then we were born uh, January 1st, 2021. That's awesome, so, man. That's, that was the, you know, how it fell into my lap. And, um, you know, going back, I, had to quit, sell, sell stocks, like, you know, invest into doing this. And I believed that we could do it. So I started out working from home and then built up some capital. Then I got this office, renovated it, uh, brought on Aaron, then brought on um, more folks, brought on AJ, you know, and so it's been like incremental, but consistent growth. That's mm -hmm. what we're really hoping for. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I know that, that that can be one of the most challenging parts, uh, even once you do start your own brokerage. I mean, I don't, I don't own my own business, but I know that when I talk to entrepreneurs and I talk to people that scaling and growing is it's the hardest part, you know, and I think the way that you're doing, it's really good. You know, you're like you said, you're incremental with it. You're, you're making sure that it's sustained growth. It's not just, you know, a, a quick shot and then it's over. So, um, kind of talk me through, so rich dad, poor dad. So I know that we've talked about that before. But, you know, you feel the need to reread that. Where do you feel like that kind of impacted you and how you view um, what you do today? I mean, it was pivotal for me. Mm -hmm. That book got me to realize that uh, what was already inside of me, that I don't need to have this or that. You know, you don't have to have a college degree to have this. You don't have to go get a cert certification to do that. 
So the whole thing is like, you know, you can go out and build it. And all you have to do is just buy assets that generate income that generate more income than what your monthly expenses are. That mm -hmm. was like kind of the gist of it. And so that clicked with me. And that was something that um, just like kind of laser focused and said, all right, in order for me to do what I, what this book is telling me to do. So in order for me to do what this book is telling me to do, I need to generate income. And the best way to generate income is to create a business. Mm -hmm. And so it just solidified what I was looking for. And it made me realize like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do real estate. And that was the other beautiful thing is that I knew that mortgage is going to go hand in hand with real estate. I wanted to invest in real estate too. And so I wanted to have an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. I, I feel like that's one of the things that has been like we were talking about before is understanding that everything I need, I already possess. You know, I've got everything I need right here because as soon as I start to believe that I need more, I'm thinking from a limited mindset that I'm bound by what I don't have, you know, whereas you're thinking of it more by you're empowered by what you do have. You know, and I think that's one of the cool things about what you're just talking about, man, is that that mindset, it seems like was the biggest thing that kind of transformed it for you. Right. I mean, just believing that you were able to do it. Yeah. Mindset's huge. It's funny because you a lot of times have already like what what it takes to succeed inside of you without you realizing. Mm -hmm. So I think back and I had in me what I what I needed in order to succeed without me seeing these other lenders in other countries or not other countries, sorry, in other States, I see these other lenders and I'm like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. But that mentality specifically, that's like a comparison mentality. Right. It's like, a, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. It should be, I have the skills, I can do it. But you know, we're human. We have to over overcome those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one big push for me is that it's like, okay, I saw other people doing it at all these different mortgage shops. I know I can do it. But yeah. Again, that's really just like that reassurance. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and two, it's almost something where it, it forces you to have to do something other people are doing. If you're thinking about it from that perspective, you know, whereas the apex predator doesn't do that. Apex right. predator gets out there and finds his food, you know? So I think that's, that's really awesome that you have that mindset. And, and, you know, that's one thing I've noticed too, is, is even just walking into that office. I mean, it just feels different than like your conventional mortgage broker office. So, so kind of tell me about that, man. Tell me about, um, you know, just how you're able to create that, that culture that you have there. I mean, you mentioned earlier that, um, that was one of the things that initially drew you, uh, into the industry itself was just seeing that boiler room kind of, kind of stuff going on with the standing desks. And so how do you kind of create that culture at, at mortgage apex? And okay. So it all starts with having a crystal clear vision. I had a great vision of what I wanted in my office and I wanted it to be very easy for my loan officers and for myself to meet with people, meet with prospective clients, meet with um, prospective partners like realtors, financial advisors, etc. So I wanted somewhere that was going to be close in proximity to other places where you could go get lunch, like we're right in downtown. So we can go get burgers, we can go get sandwiches, you know, nicer lunch at uh, Magnolia Grill. So we can go and just walk there very easily. Um, and then number two is I wanted our actual office to be somewhere where people were excited to invite people to the office, excited to show people. So I wanted modern, bright lights, no cubicles, like open forum design, long, we have a long conference table. And then we've got our desks, standing desks on one end. And then we meet on the other end. We've got couches. We had, used to have a ping pong table where we got rid of that for space. We're going to get like a pin pinball machine or something, but that's really kind of the vibe we were looking for. I wanted to be different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, man, is whenever it's like I said, whenever you walk in there, you just get this feeling that it, it is different, you know, that it's, it's a place where there's not walls everywhere dividing everybody. And, and it's just a communal place to come gather, you know? So it's a perfect location for pints and properties. And, and so tell me a little bit about that. I know there's one in Pensacola. There's one here. Is that like a nationwide thing or is it? It like is. Yeah. It actually is something that Shelby Osborne created. Um, she's a friend of mine. She lives, I think, no, she, I know she lived in Charlotte at one point. I think she just moved away from Charlotte, but she created this. Uh, she's the creator of Five Pillars Realty, okay. um, a team based off of EXP. I think they, they have like hundreds of agents all over the country. And um, she created Pines and Properties. And then she also made it so that anyone can come out here and host a Pines and Properties in a city if it's not there. So I met her, got to know her a little bit and was like, I would love to do that for Pines and Properties. The funny thing is, 
everyone who ran Pines and Properties in all these other cities were either an agent or an investor. Mm-hmm. No lenders whatsoever. So I was like, this makes perfect sense. Like yeah. as a lender, we can come in here, we can provide investment financing. People are always asking about that. We can um, make connections with realtors. And our whole value prop as a as a mortgage brokerage is we want to find realtors who are going to send us business and introduce us to their clients. So for us to be able to kind of really change the script instead of, hey, Mr. Realtor, Mrs. Realtor, call me because my rates are good and I'll call you back whenever um, whenever you need me. That's what literally everyone says. Ours is a little different. It's like, hey, you know, our rates are obviously good. I'll call you back whenever you need me. But we also do this thing where you can come and get clients and meet investors, meet buyers. Um, and level up your knowledge. We work really hard on having really good speakers so that every month you're coming here, now you're smarter and you can impart that knowledge onto your clients. So that's been a huge way for us to differentiate and um, really grow it. And I love that we have an opportunity to build a community where like, if you need flooring done, you can go somewhere and say, hey, I need flooring done. Do you know anyone? And someone there will be able to answer that question and say, yes, this guy's awesome. Call him. Exactly. So I love that community aspect. I want to continue to see that grow. And, um, you know, I think we're going to get to a point where we, where we outgrow our space soon. I'd say our average attendance is probably like 45 right now yeah. per month. Yep. And, you know, you have a lot of people who come like maybe once every two or three months. Mm-hmm. So we probably have well over 100 people that regularly attend, which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not to gloss over the fact that at Pints and Properties, there's also free beer on tap provided to everyone that comes. True. Well, again, connections are important. Yep. So um, that is provided to us by Tapworks, which is oh. one of my neighbors. Um, so one of my neighbors at my office, like directly below us, Taste, also owned by Tapworks right next door. And then Casey's also owned by the same owner. So I said, hey, we're going to run this thing. Can I get some beer? And they're like, yeah, we'll give you beer and we won't even charge you. Like, we'll basically charge a little bit extra, but almost cost is what yeah. we get it for. Um, and in exchange, they know that we're going to have 50 new people that are going to come and see that their establishment exists in walking to my office. Mm-hmm. So that's been huge, hugely thankful to them. Yeah. But again, it's just like asking and just having that mentality of like, yeah, I'll help you and we'll all grow together. Yep. Yeah. That's so important too. It's, I, I heard from somebody a long time ago that if you never ask, the answer is always no, you know, and I think, so true. and I think sometimes it, it goes back to, again, what we were talking about before this, those limiting beliefs of like, oh, that's going to be awkward. I'm asking this person for a favor when really you're providing value. You're not really asking for a favor. You're saying, Hey, here's free marketing for all these people who are going to be tasting your product. And I, I think that's a really cool, really cool way to a, get people to come and B, to be able to highlight local businesses around you guys. You know, you're, you're really building up everybody around you. And that's that's a really cool thing. And it's again, it goes back to to you wanting to differentiate yourself. Um, and so you, you talked about the vision for a minute there. And, you know, before this, we were reading this this um, article that had been set five years in the future that's written about Mortgage Apex, you know, and that that really intrigued me because I've never heard of something like that. And I, I just want to kind of break down like what what I know you listened to a podcast that, that kind of mentioned that, but um, what's kind of your vision for Mortgage Apex? Like, where do you see yourself in five years and and what kind of impact do you hope to make? You know, that's a great question. So vision, super important. I, I did listen to a podcast. I'm pretty sure it's from Bigger Pockets. They were talking okay. about vision. And he said, yeah, as an exercise, um, try writing everything down. So I wrote basically an article about my own company in the future, but I want it to be like a newspaper article giving a feature on Mortgage Apex five years from now. So I really thought, sat, sat down, thought it through, thought about where we wanted to be and um, if everything went right. And so five years from now, I would love to be in a position where we've got multiple loan officers, You know, probably 10 to 20 loan officers, but it's not so much the more. I want to have the right people on the team. I want to have a team of like very, very good people that I'm very proud of and that are professional and... Uh, above average. Mm-hmm. And then Pines and Properties, I want to see that continue to grow. I want to see us continue to pour into the community. We do some stuff like that uh, currently, but I want to grow that massively. I want house more than anything, I want Mortgage Apex to be a household name so that people hear Mortgage Apex and they immediately are like, oh yeah, I know them. They're the ones who donated like, you know, all of those jackets to our school or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You know, like I want um, 
I want us to be a household name. I want to give back. Um, and also, I want to see uh, all the people around me and everyone that I'm interacting with also rise at the same time. So this was my five-year vision that I wrote. I actually went and did a 10-year vision where I just sat and visualized it really crystal clear with a buddy of mine, Dane, and um, took it even further. Because five years, you have to be realistic, right? Right. I dare you to sit down and think about where you want your life to be if everything went perfectly 10 years from now. 10 years is enough time where you can get like pretty wild with your imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I'm going to live on the on the bay, yacht outside, you know, whatever it is, whatever makes you tick, you can get pretty wild with it. And like, same with business, you know, I want to have like multiple branches and I want to have X number of houses and I want to drive to my work and only do the things that I love in my Lamborghini Diablo, whatever it is, right? (laughs) And so once you build that 10 year vision, which is, you know, sounds kind of intense and sounds like very far away, but then you break it out and go, okay, if this is where I want to be year 10, what does that have to look like year nine? year eight, year seven, all the way down to year one. What do I have to do today in order to get to that year 10? So I'm a big fan of like knowing what your vision is, visualizing it, and then working backwards to get there. Yeah. I think that's a that's a really pivotal way to look at it, man. Because so often in my life, I feel like I just kind of go with the flow and see what happens. And, and um, you know, as I've gotten older and, and kind of deeper into my 20s, I've, I've realized like, no, this takes like a very systemized approach. Like I have to look at this from what incremental steps do I take today that will line me up where I want to be like, say, 10 years from now. And um, I guess I'm I'm really curious as to what color that Diablo is. It's white. I knew it. I knew it. I love it. What year is it? <laughs> uh, 2001. Okay. I had to pick the best one. It's the last year they made yep. it. You know, the big, Diablos. Yep. I remember... Uh, playing need for speed as a kid and, and need for speed hot pursuit yes that, that bro. was that is why i love the diablo so literally. for me mine is a porsche 911 turbo s nice that's where i'm at and that's awesome. and again it goes back to me being a kid and i don't know what it was about the porsche but it was just i was drawn to it and and it's it's one of those fun things where where you can look at it but but yeah i think that's going to be the thing that i do after this man is really go in and and you're, you're like hyping me up to want to make this plan, you know, because, uh, really I think I owe it to my future self, you do, you know, cause I really think that, um, it's one of those things where, you know, like it, it might seem kind of silly, but like even doing the dishes, it's like, man, let me look out for future Michael, you know, let me, let me look out for, for tired early in the morning, Michael yeah. and go ahead and take care of this stuff, you know? And, and I think having that vision is so important. And, and you know, like you say, carrying that out and growing that team, it, it takes a support system and it takes people around you that, that can help you. And, and you know, if, if you're unsure of this particular area, like where to get your flooring from, you know that, that you can lean on somebody to help you out there. So I want to kind of talk about that, man, because that's something that, you know, I know is real important to you. So with that support system and your network, family, wife, like what are kind of the things that, that drive you to to accomplish those goals and get after it, you know? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the support system, if mm-hmm. it wasn't for truly my wife, like more than anyone. Um, she is the one who believes in me and she's also the one who can sometimes rein me in. Mm-hmm. So when I hear her say like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Let's think twice about this or that. I listen as best I can. And then when she goes, Hey, you should do that. Then I'm like, Oh, all right, sweet. You, you, you know, you're actually thinking this through where I just want to do everything. Yeah. You know, shiny objects. Mm-hmm. I just, Oh, that seems fun. Yep. So, uh, no, that's huge. And then, you know, I mean, even the little things like, I don't even want to say it's a little thing, but like my wife has a stable W2 job. So then I'm able to be like, all right, let me go start this brokerage really quick where I make $0 in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we might have some savings, but like we got to make it happen. But like we can at least eat because my wife has her job. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've always had that stability. She is also in the mortgage industry too, by the way. Um, so we have that, you know, we can kind of connect on it and she like is an expert voice when she goes, yeah, you can do this. Go do mm-hmm. it. Um, so having that support system is huge. Having my team is huge. Like, I am not good at doing everything. I'm yep. good at a few things and I want to lean into those strengths and I want to work on my weaknesses too. But like, for example, we just brought someone on um, this month and I'm going through trying to train her on how to do this and that. And I'm like, honestly, 
I I can't train you effectively on this. You need to talk to Aaron. Yeah. She's going to be able to tell you way better. Yeah. So, you know, we all have our strengths and bringing enough people that have different, different strengths is huge. And I've leaned on that. And I'm going to continue to lean on that because I don't want to be the guy that's doing everything. And I want to get to a point where um, we have people in their roles and they feel excited about what they're doing. They feel confident about what they're doing and they feel um, like good about themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm really working on my strengths. Like I look back at the times when I was really frustrated as an employee and it was when I was being pushed to do things that I'm like, this, this doesn't even work for me. Yeah. Like I'm willing to get better at my weaknesses. Don't get me wrong. But like you're setting me up for failure you're putting me in positions where like I'm not shining and then I don't feel good. And then now I don't perform well for the company. So I think about that and I'm like, I want to make sure I'm putting in people in positions where they naturally just feel like they're cheating. Yeah. And then they're like, wow, this feels great. And then when we're all in those roles, then we can all rise together. Yeah. That's so important, man. And I think what you mentioned takes such a huge level of introspection, especially as a business owner is to know that you're not good at everything, you know, do what you do best and outsource the rest, you know? And so I think, you being able to to understand that and understand that there's there's areas to work on is is huge for for bringing the right people around you and and knowing because you're you're going to bring those people that are that you can see are going to fill the gaps that you've recognized and so I think that's a that's a really cool thing man and and I know that um one, that's one of the big things I've always noticed about you you you've always been very I feel like I'm getting Albert every time I see you you know that's always you it's always there, there's an authentic version to you and and I know that that that's something that comes through and you're wanting to be more involved in the community and 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 do those kind of things so I kind of want to talk about you know you talk about being able to to donate jackets and stuff like that I know you guys did the huge sock drive over the winter and and that's so cool to see stuff like that so tell me about some of the stuff that you want to do in the community man like I want to hear you know some of those some of those fun things you're doing there yeah I've always had a heart for kids and and really just i guess anyone who's in need uh, in our community here but um it was about a year ago and right around thanksgiving of not this past year but the year before that right when we were first starting pines and properties and we found out that the local food bank was super low on food mm-hmm. and so we were like hey you know we'll put out that if you come to Pines and properties like come and bring food and so we were like overwhelmed by the amount of food that that was brought. And, uh, that was, that was really cool. And that was a kind of a, a moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, all I really did was just ask. And I, I basically said, Hey, we have this need. Let's try and fulfill this. And then people came together and did it. So I facilitated my position as the leader of Pines and properties to all of a sudden fix this, this need or help contribute to this need. So then we did it again um, this past summer for school supplies filled both times, filled an F-150 bed, like to the brim. Um, and then I was like, okay, you know what? I want to, I want to do like, I want to fix problems. We heard about this sock thing. You know, there's not enough socks for all the homeless kids and kids that are in transition here in Oakland County. So when we heard that there was that need, we wanted to, we wanted to go and fix that need and, and overcome that. So we heard that they needed like roughly 600 pairs of socks, 500 to 600 pairs of socks for one pair of socks for every kid that is in this Title IX division, mm-hmm. um, which basically states that you know they're like either living out of a car or they're living in a hotel or they're um, living with a family member because they got evicted, so they're kind of in this temporary housing. So I said, oh well, we you know our biggest need is socks because a lot of times they don't have access to clean like washing machines or, you know, whatever. So we heard that and she said she needs 500 socks. I'm like, that's only one pair of socks per kid. She was like, yeah, but you know, that that's like our need. I'm like, no, we're going to go way more than that. So we went for 5,000 so that we could get 10 pairs of socks and, you know, maybe just fill this need for the next few years. Mm -hmm. And I remember I sat down with my team and I said, Hey, you know, there's this need. We're going to blow this out of the water and we're going to use find some properties uh, and you know, every time they come, they can bring socks. And I thought it was gonna be like six, eight months. It was like two months and we've completed the 5,000. Wow. So my goal is to continue to do that, find more needs, but not just like a, Hey, we're going to do a drive and get as much as we can and then donate it. I want to be like, you know, Hey, there's this specific need in our community. 
this is going to be our thing that we focus on. And then we're going to continue until this box is checked. And it's like literally not a need for years. Yeah. So that's like, that's my goal is I want us to be able to say like, not only me, but then every member of Punts and Properties is like, oh yeah, I was a part of that. Check out what we're doing. Look, like, you remember how, you know, there was, you see the, those jackets there? Like, those are the ones that we got for the kids. Like, I want everyone to feel a part of it. Yeah, I think that's so awesome, man. Because it's something that, I mean, it allows people to A, feel good about what they're doing. And it it just brings everybody up, man. And that seems like that's such an important value for you is just bringing up the people around you and making sure that you're providing the greater good. So I, I, I'm curious to know, man, have you always kind of been that way where you've just been someone who's been very communal or is that something where, you know, it's one of those situations where you create what you crave, you know, I mean, you know, I, I really don't know. I, um, I grew up going to Catholic school. So like, you know, we've done a couple of service-based volunteer things, but I don't know. I just like, I, I saw the need for it and my heart has opened it. I, I think it's one of those things like once you do it once, you kind of get hooked or whatever. Yeah. You know? You're like, oh, we, we could do this. We could do more. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I would say it's probably not like an always thing. It just, you know, it kind of came about. And like, I've always been one to, um, if someone asks, like, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, I'll buy you food. Like, that makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of felt that that like even more so when we did mm -hmm. it at a bigger scale. And so now I'm like, shoot, we can all do this at a bigger scale. And again, it's a win, win, win. You know, it's yep. like we're helping the community. We're helping Pines and Properties. Everyone that's coming there is going to feel better about it. So it's, I don't know where it came from. but Yeah, it's, it's just, cool. it's, it's a rewarding thing, man. And and I'm so glad to hear that somebody who's in your position that's that's in a position to make a bigger impact feels that way. You know, because I think sometimes it's easy you know, especially in a market like this one to kind of get away from the things that can build up community and build up networks and relationships and, and all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, when it, when it comes to, like, we've talked about a, a market like this, I mean, you're growing. So, so what's been kind of the, the thing for you? I mean, I think a lot of people are, are tightening up and restricting, but you guys are kind of going in the opposite direction, right? So, so what's been kind of your mindset with that? Yeah, again, it's it's just trusting the process, having belief in yourself, knowing that you can get out there and do it. Um, so we were able to more than double our our loan volume from 2022 to 2023. Wow. When a lot of the company was really shrinking at a very fast clip. So I really attribute that to us just doing the basics, doing the right things, not stopping from investing into what we do, into building the business, you know, really changing that mind shift. My, that mindset and shifting it from, you know, oh, this market's going to be tough. We got to save all our, save all our pennies and, you know, get ready for the winter to instead like, no, this market's tough. We're going to continue to invest. We're going to grow our roots. We're going to do all the things that lead to success. And we're going to know that if we do the things that lead to success, the actions that lead to success, we'll have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it, man. And I think you moving in that direction, I mean, because you're working with agents, you're working with investors. And when they see that, I think it's it really makes them realize that, you know, down the line that you guys are going to be that household name. Because I mean, people that move in that direction during times like these, I think is is huge and, and it's it's crucial. Um, and I know that that, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but kind of going back to culture. I mean, because because I think, you know, I'm under the understanding and belief that it all kind of starts there right? Like if you're creating a winning culture, you're going to have winners and you're going to continue to win. And so it kind of, it, it attracts the right people and it attracts the right clients. And so I want to kind of talk about how you start your days over there at Mortgage Apex, right? Because we yeah. kind of touched on the Harmony Huddle a little bit. So I want to, I want to go you know, into that. GPT came up with that. Oh, okay. So we were like, we do this meeting every day. We got to have a cool name for it to throw it on the calendar. And yeah. You know, Harmony Huddle was what won. So we always joke about it now. Um, but yeah, you know, we've got a team of really amazing people so um just to highlight too really quickly so like i did this five day fast a while back mm -hmm. and i believe in like mental toughness and and i'm doing trying to do 75 hard right now um like five days in so yep. we'll see you know how it looks in 70 days hey you're almost 10 percent through bro true there we go <laughs> we're getting we're getting there but uh one of the guys on my team aj he has done 75 hard like a million times i don't know he's he's a beast um and then like I did this five day fast and I told Aaron about it and she's like, oh, I'll try it. So then she did a five day fast, like five days of no food whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a certain level of willpower and discipline. So I I don't know, I guess like 
having people in your corner that are like that is huge. Like people that I have no hesitation to pass the torch to and say, all right, it's your time to shine. And they're like, they're killers. They're leaders. They're ready to go. So that's huge. But yeah, we start our day with Harmony Huddle. And really what that is, is uh, something that I took a little bit off of the, the Hillbilly Millionaire, if you're on YouTube. Um, he's a buddy of mine and he's big into um, lean manufacturing, two second lean. Uh, which is like big in the, the manufacturing business and everything, like making things a little more efficient. And so I kind of took some aspects from him, which is getting collaboration from everyone and starting our day right. So when we do the Harmony Huddle, it consists of kind of three pillars. The very beginning, we go around the room and we all say one thing that we are thankful for that day. So what does that do? It forces us to be positive and it allows us to connect as a group um, in ways that we probably wouldn't have connected if we didn't say that, you know, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm healthy because my aunt is sick or, you know, I'm just super grateful that, um, my lab results came back better, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when you do it enough times, you have to try to be original. So you do it enough times, it forces you to even take negative things and turn them into positive things, right? Like, man, I could sit here and complain about how my AC is broken in my car, but instead I'm going to say I'm thankful that I have a car, mm -hmm. you know? So that is uh, how we start is with, with gratefulness, with appreciation. And then we go into uh, what our plans are for the day. So a little more tactical of like, Hey, you know, this is what I have to get done today. This is what I have to get done this week. By the way, what I need to get done is going to require your input. So that's kind of our chance to all come together. And the third piece uh, which I think is the most different from any other company is we learn something. It doesn't have to be new. Um, it can be review, but we learn something. And the kicker is, is that I'm not the one always teaching that something. Mm. So I might teach that something today, but tomorrow, Michael, you're going to teach that something. And then the next day, Enzo, you're going to teach that something. And so that allows everyone to bring something to the table. And when you teach something, you ingrain it into your mind so much more. So that is something that we started our day with uh, the Harmony Huddle over at the couch. Uh, and I love it. And I think that our team has come to love it. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of been a defining cultural moment for us. I, that's that's a really cool way to start your day, man. And and I think you're absolutely right that finding that the beauty in the otherwise perceivable negatives, right? I mean, even like, you know, we go back to this market, like being able to find what it takes and what you need to look for. Cause it, it almost kind of, you know, cause I mean, your brain, you, you create these neural pathways, right? So like you, you think of your brain as like a forest Well, you're chopping a machete through that forest every time you think a certain thought and believe that. So if you're always, you know, trudging forward in a positive manner, you're just going to naturally start to take that path. So when your AC does break, it's not even going to affect you. And I think that's a really, it, cause that that's pivotal, man. And that's something that um, I try and start my mornings, right? all the time. I mean, it's like going back to looking out for future Michael, right? Like, cause it's like how you start the mornings, how's your day's going to go for the most part. Um, and I think having that is really cool. And chat GPT, I think did a great job coming up with that name because <laughs> it, it's great. It's got the alliteration. Yeah. You've got harmony. It's a good adjective. Well, I don't know what verb. Yeah, I don't know what you know. call it. Mean, I don't know. You're the music but guy. So I don't know. I'll tell you what, man, like talking about that appreciation, kind of greasing that groove, it's gotten easier over time. Mm -hmm. But I remember Literally, like my AC condenser in my car was messed up or something. I think it was this past summer. I was dragging my feet to get it fixed because it was like working half the time, but then not working another half the time. And oh, yeah. Like, driving down uh, from Crestview to Fort, to Fort Walton Beach, that long stretch of, I don't know, not one, two, three, but whatever that long highway yeah. is. Yeah. And I'm like hot, sweaty, and I'm pissed off. Yep. I'm just like, I hate this car. This is stupid. Why does Ford have to be so hot? And then I remember literally looking to my right and seeing a woman with her windows rolled down. And we we're going like 70 miles an hour, you know, so it's not the most pleasant thing. Windows rolled down, probably doesn't have AC, super crappy looking car with a huge smile on her face. And I was like, you know what? I feel bad for complaining about my AC not working because for all I know, maybe she just bought this car today and she's just happy about it. Yeah. So that's like one of those things that I always think about. When I think about being positive, yeah, and um, just trying to put myself in someone else's shoes and, and reminding myself that hey, there's you know bigger problems out there. There is, yeah, that's absolutely right, man. I, I love that perspective, and and I'm so grateful when I get checked like that. I'm so great, like you know, Me if too. if I'm in a bad mood or if someone just 
comes up to me being overtly positive or something. It's like, <laughs> and you're almost upset because you're like, I don't want to be, you know, but it's like, it forces you out of it. And then you kind of start to look back and, and I've yet to look back and think, man, I'm glad I complained about that. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's never happened. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a really cool way to be. And, and so, I mean, thinking positively and doing that kind of stuff and, and, you know, you talk about visualization, all these types of stuff. So do you have a goal board? Is that, is that something that, that you kind of implement like a vision board type of thing? Like kind of want to talk more about that, man, like kind of lead yeah. me into, well, you know, I told you I love cars yep. growing up. So I always have had that dream car, which is the Lamborghini Diablo yep. in white. <clears throat> and, um, I've got it on the background of my computer. I've created like word documents with pictures of different things. Like whether I'm looking at vacation, I think there should be short term goals. And long-term goals on your vision board, you know, mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm trying to go to vacation on vacation in the next six months. Maybe like if you're going to Mexico, have a picture of Mexico or whatever. Right. Um, but I looked at that for a long time when I was first getting into business. Cause like, it's hard when you're first starting out, you're really having to prime that pump. You're really having to just like grind to get, build your book of business, build clients, get people to say yes when you're brand new. And mm -hmm. you're not like, you know, very good at this yet. Yep. So I remember like every morning I would look at my board. I would look at the car that I was going to get short term. I'd see the long term dream car. I'd see all the different things that I want to do. And be like, all right, let's go get after this. So um, now I've got my own office. So I have a huge picture of a Lamborghini Diablo <laughs> uh, right behind my desk. Yep. Um, and it says dream it, plan it, achieve it. So, you know, visualization, visualization is huge. And it's kind of that carrot that you can put in front of your face when maybe you're not feeling the most motivated. Mm -hmm. um, I love the Zig Ziglar quote that says motivations like bathing. I recommend it daily. Yep. So I love that's that. Huge. You know, like you have to stay in it because you will like get complacent over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's absolutely right. I mean, complacency kills, you know, if I, if I, it's like, you know, you talk about Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins has that other place, the danger zone, you know, where things are just good enough to not need to change yep. and they're not quite bad enough to make a huge difference. And so you just, you're kind of stuck, you know, and that's kind of like the, the definition of complacency. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially when you are able to just visualize those things, it, it gives you something to work toward, uh, in times where you might not be able to find it. You know, so I think that's a, that's a really big thing, you know, and, um, I kind of want to go back to, again, you said, um, with visualization and mindset and all this type of stuff, when you reread rich dad, poor dad, now I've, I've never read the book, but I've, I've got, I've listened to Robert Kawasaki a lot and I've, I've listened to him speak and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I've reread a couple of books like that, that are mindset books. So what do you think changed the second time you read the book that you got out of it? Or was it just kind of a reinstallation of what you had already known to be true that's tough you know to answer that question accurately i need to go and reread it again yeah <laughs> in a couple of years yep um but i do remember reading through it and being like oh man you know all these conceptual things make sense because i read it originally and that's what pushed me to like all right get into business and start learning and then you know 10 really about 10 years later i had some work under my belt i had some because he talks about sales like it's important to get into sales and everything is learning how to sell even if you're a, an author, it's not the best book that is gets the award. It's the best selling book that mm -hmm. gets the award. So there's a lot of things like that. So, um, you know, just having that whole background of sales and then getting ready to jump in, being interested in real estate instead of vending machines. It's just like kind of little tweaks, but it made it where um, it kind of read like a different book. Yeah. If I remember correctly, you know. Yeah. That's funny. One of the big ones for me, you know, I was in the service industry doing beach service all my life and I remember reading how to win friends and influence people when I was like 17 or 18. And that book is like the defining book with how I interact with people, how I create connections, how I network and, you know, understanding that your network is your net worth, you know? So I think that's, that's a huge thing for me. And, and, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely, yeah. I mean, so you talk about rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kawasaki, he talks about, buying assets that are going to make you money and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, where did that kind of start for you? I mean, when did you kind of learn the importance of money? You know, like. That's a great question. My, I, I love my parents dearly. They did an amazing job raising me. I still have great relationship with them. My mom is now a successful uh, business owner. She's been in, in business for over 10 years. My dad was military, but my, both my mom and dad um, kind of came from that, like somewhat immigrant mindset mm -hmm. or immigrant mindset. <clears throat> My dad 
uh, was born here in the States, but both of his parents came over from Portugal. And then my mom, she was born in Okinawa. And um, they they really taught me at a young age the importance of like saving, working hard, all of that. And so in practice, when I was like, I want to say I was five years old at the time. Yeah, I was five. It was right before my fifth birthday. Um, you know, Game Boy Colors were really, really yep. big. So I remember with, like- With the light that oh, yeah. hooked into it. Yep. So Game Boy Color, I wanted one so bad. I might have been six, but um, my mom and dad were like, okay, well, you're going to have to earn it by, you know, doing random chores and all that. One of the things that I would do, because my dad was at um, his military shop, they would drink like a ton of soda and stuff and they'd have all the cans recycling. Well, back then you could, maybe you can still do this, but you could like go and take the cans to the recycle place and they'll give you like some money for it. Mm -hmm. So I would go and like, I would crush the cans so that you don't have like 50 million bags. You have it condensed, right? So I would like do that with him. And then every time we'd go, we'd get like $7. I'm like, all right, $7 closer to get in the Game Boy, you know? Yeah. So then um, we got close to uh, where I was able, you know, getting closer to getting it. And my parents were doing a garage sale. And I had like a couple little things that I was selling for like a quarter and this and that, you know, like yeah. what possessions do a little kid, <laughs> does a little kid have? You yeah. Know? Like, man, I want to get this Game Boy. So I remember being like, mom, I really want to get this. Like, what can I do? to get this she's like well I don't know, let's think about it. like what can you do i'm like okay well i'm five and all i do is take singing lessons <laughs> like well you know you could maybe you could sing i'm like so i'm sitting here as a little kid thinking critically about okay how can i make money you know yeah uh so i put up the board and uh i knew like three songs like joy to the world and like a couple you know yeah Christian yeah songs, things like that so i said you know i'll sing any of these three songs for a quarter um to people that were coming up I had a little board and everything and people would come up and they'd be like, I'll just give you a dollar, you know? So I'd like sing, sing it for them or like they'd hand me all the change in their hand. So I got like all this money, uh, which was like just enough to get a game boy, which I think was like $70 at the time. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't that much, but, um, so yeah, it worked. That's the cool thing is that like people were like, yeah, I'll give you money here. Like you did a good job, you know? So I'm like, sweet. I had an idea. We like thought critically about how to do it. I put it up there and then it worked. And so, like, I had like just enough money. I was like a dollar short. Then I went and sang for my grandpa, and he gave me a dollar. Like, all right, sweet. <laughs> so I have enough money. Then I go. <laughs> then I we go to the BX. I buy the Game Boy with all my saved up money, and like get it, take it out of the box, put the batteries in, turn it on, and it's like Game Boy. I'm like, oh, that, that's it, Game Boy. I'm like, I don't have any games. Oh no. no! <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, shoot, and. The next day was my birthday. Yep. Okay. So my parents could have been like, oh, you know, we'll go get you the game that we got you for your birthday. You know, you can open it early. But they were like, well, I guess you're going to have to save up for the game, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so then I like went to bed and I was like, oh, this sucks. And then the next like delayed gratification. And then the next day is my birthday. I get the games and I'm like, let's go. Yeah. But, that's awesome. You know, I think at an early age, it really did kind of like I look back on that. That's like my first memory of money. And now I look back on it and I see a memory where I thought about what I wanted and then like, you know, they kind of helped me through it. Yeah. But, and then I did the actions required to get there and it wasn't, there was no shortcuts. Yep. You know? Yeah. That's, that's so awesome that your parents had the wherewithal to do that because I think, cause that's, that's, that's still, that's taking the hard route as the parents, right? Because yeah. they, you know, the easy way is to just drop the money and get you the thing you want. But, um, I heard somewhere that the worst thing that you can do for a child is doing something for them that they could do for themselves. And I think, man, that that's so pivotal, you know, like we were talking about before, man, so much of what goes on in our childhood plays a role in, in how we act as adults. And, um, that's really awesome that and, you yeah, set that goal. And, and, and to continue from there, like, yeah, my parents were always very open because I think their parents weren't super open about money. Mm. They didn't talk about it except just save your money, you know? Yeah. But I was like, Oh, you know, we're, we're buying this house. Like what's up with that? And they, they would explain it to me. And then I remember when I was in sixth grade, they bought a flip that they were like sweat equity doing themselves. Um, and so like every weekend in Crestview, we would go and drive up there and we'd like, I'd be like painting or, you know, do I, yeah. whatever a six year old or a sixth grader could contribute. But you yeah. know, I'd be like putting in work, but I'm seeing this house go from a dump to a nice place and then them sell it. And they like made a little bit of money. And I'm like, you know, again, oh, maybe this works. You know, it's like kind of something in the background. But the cool thing is that my parents were always 
willing to teach me and they were like willing to drop those barriers and actually talk about those things where I feel like so many people, maybe because they're trying to protect their child from the world or whatever, like they don't want to talk about it. But um, it was just so helpful for me to to hear that and like understand. And I was just a curious kid. And then I yeah. was like, oh, that makes sense. You know? That's so cool. So did they cut you in on the profit at all for that? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Free labor. I mean, what do you have a kid for? You yeah, know? right. That's it. That's it. Wow, man. So did your parents do that a lot? Did they do a lot of fixing? That was flips? actually the only flip that they did. Oh, okay. So they flipped that house. Um, and then they took that money and I believe bought uh, like a triplex in Panama City. Oh, and nice. then they just held that for several years. Yeah. Um, which sounds good on paper, but with the you know economic downturn, uh, was they they had oh, a little bit of real right. estate and yeah. it was it was really tough for them. Yeah, that was right. Up, yeah, you were um, in sixth grade, so that would yeah. have been right about right about that time. So yeah, now they're but now they're doing really well. You know, it's uh, like I always hear people like, oh, you know, you shouldn't buy this or that, or it doesn't even cash flow. I mean, they had multiple properties that were losing money every month, but now you look back, it's like, no, I I, I will I write a check for two hundred dollars a month if it means that I'm going to make X number of dollars in equity ten years later. You know, yep. a lot of people are more short sighted with that. So that's so funny you say that. I have I have some of those similar conversations with. Um, you know, because I'm with Vacasa now and selling property management to these owners of short-term rentals, and they're saying, you know, I want it to cash flow. I want it to make, you know, the magic numbers ten percent of the list price, right? Like if it's if it's a five hundred thousand dollar condo, I want to make fifty grand. Well, the thing is, is is the the prices of condos have not been in line with daily rates, right? Ni nightly rates have not catch up to to that number, so. But one one thing I always tell people is like, look, I was born and raised here. I've yet to hear anyone tell me that they were so happy they sold this piece of property on the Emerald Coast 20 years ago. Isn't that right? I've never heard someone say that. I, the, the conversation always goes, I cannot believe I got rid of that. So I think that's really pivotal too for you to see that from from your perspective and say like, you know, when, when you're looking at property today to understand that just because it's not cash flowing right now, I mean, that's going to be tens of thousands of dollars down the line. You know, and to have that long-term view of it, I think is is really pivotal and, and goes back to goal setting, right? Looking 10 years into the future and five years into the future. And um, I think so often I'll look at where I'm at right now and and think to myself like, oh, this is so hard. This is so difficult. But if I'm able to fast forward, I know that I'll look back and be like, oh, that was just part of the process. There's you a know? really cool thing about um, like Japanese manufacturing. If you like read into Toyota and how they, you know, what their success has come from. And one of the most interesting things about Japanese businesses compared to American businesses is they think long, they think short term, I'm probably butchering it. They think short term is like 20 years. Yeah. They're going to do things that are going to help Toyota a hundred years from now. And so having that like super long-term vision, I think, and just the wherewithal to be like, no, this is going to work. Mm -hmm. Like it might not turn a profit or make our shareholders happy like this next quarter, but it's going to work. Yeah it's just such a longer term view again. Like you're saying, it's, it's not thinking about me. It's thinking about my great grandkids. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I think that if more people had that mindset in our country today, like, especially, you know, not to go into politics or whatever, but if like anyone in any government were like, okay, let's think about what the hundred year implications are of this. I yeah. think things would be very different than like where it is today, where it's like, how can this help me and where I am today? Yeah. I think, uh, getting into politics a little bit. We don't have to dive too deep, but I think oftentimes they're thinking in terms of election cycles. 100%. And that's it. Yeah. Beyond two years, oh, I'm not getting reelected. I don't care. Like that's that seems like the the most the biggest mindset. It's like, you know, you look at something like minimum wage. Like it, it looks good like to give everybody 20 bucks an hour for every job, but at the end of the day, it's like looking at it realistically, is there $20 of value being provided in that hour? Cuz right. that's I mean, you know, and that, and I think looking at it from that perspective and understanding the implications, um, whether it's policy or whether it's my own decision, you know, if I understand that if I don't eat this cake today, it's going to help me in, in days later and, and on down the line. So, um, that's, that's really cool that, that, you know, you were able to get through that and set that goal and accomplish it as a kid, you know, cause I can't, I can't imagine the amount of heartbreak when you turn that thing on and it just read the game boy and then just went blank. I mean, yeah, that's just... <laughs> I mean it, it was, but also, um, yeah, you know, I, I honor my parents for sticking to their guns and be like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to really enjoy this <laughs> tomorrow because <laughs> I did, you know, it, was, it made it way more of a memory if they would have just been like, oh, here you go. Or mm -hmm. if they would have been like, oh, I want a Game Boy and then just bought it for me. I probably wouldn't even 
cared. Yeah. Know? I wouldn't even be like, okay, all right, this isn't even that cool. You know, play it for a little while, get sick of it. Um, yeah. I had like pride in that Game Boy. You know? mm-hmm. Took good care of it. That's absolutely right, man. So, I mean, so with vehicles, I mean, your love for cars and all that kind of stuff, I know that, that you know, you've always kind of been attracted to that. So, in that regard, like, what is it about cars that you, is it just, is it just always been there or is there like, was there like a moment where you were flying down the road in a vehicle and, and just fell in love with the rumble or, I mean, what was it for you that kind of, yeah, I don't, it, it's hard for me to put into words. Um, like I've driven a Tesla and it was like, eh, it's okay. You yeah. Know? Um, there's something about the character of, you know, of vehicles. I, I really personally like cars from like the nineties and two thousands. Again, I think it's cars that we saw when we were a kid. I'm the same way. Um, you yep. know, cars that I played Need for Speed and I saw them on there. <laughs> so it's like if I saw it on there on Need for Speed and it was like, you know, I can picture myself like I can see myself wanting that. Um, and oh man, it's it's tough to put into words. There's something about like being behind a car, especially if it's kind of fast or it's yeah. kind of cool. So I had a most recently I had an M Roadster. Um, which is a little BMW. It's like body of a Z3, but it's got like a motor of an M3. So it's it's got a big engine, it's a small car. And um, there's something about like just being low to the ground, just kind of sinking in, like yep. becoming almost like a part of it. And a, a great car is like an extension of you. You don't really have to think about what you need to do. It's just, it's like... Uh, I don't know, I guess like riding a horse. They say, I've never ridden a horse, but they say that you can almost just think about where you want to go and it'll it'll follow you. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I love about it. There's something, it's it's the blend of art and engineering. Yeah. It's like a beautiful piece of machinery, but it all has function. Yes. Right? Like there's big air, air ducts in the front to suck in air, but it's to cool the brakes. And But, you know, they made it stylistically look cool. Yeah. Um, there's just so many things like that about cars that uh, I don't just, it just makes me excited, man. Yeah. That's it, so, it's, it's so cool. That's funny because I'm like the same way about watches. Like I look cool. at a watch and I'm just like, like a, mechan- a nice mechanical watch that's just beautifully made. It's like, you know, it's that because there's that, it's, it's exactly what you just mentioned. And I love how you put it that it's that blend of art and engineering, you know, to, because I mean, and in the way that we perceive the world, those are two very different subjects, yes. right? I mean, you know, you can look at someone and be like, oh, that's an engineer type guy or that's an artistic. But when you can when you can find a way to kind of mesh those two together, I think it it really invokes a lot of emotion and it, it can invoke a, a lot of attraction to it. And um, I've always loved riding in those cars. You know, I had a I had a buddy who had like a turbo WRX and and just like yeah. that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, dude, it's something to it because I've, I've driven a Tesla, too. And I felt the same way. I'm like, wow, this is fast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, but there's no, there's no, no, I mean, all you hear is the tires on the ground, you know, and it's like, there's like nothing to it. And it's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's not as visceral, I feel like. Totally. And so you take the total other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, not a blend of art and engineering, but just engineering. Mm -hmm. And you have the mailman truck. Okay. The mailman truck, it was told to be X number of centimeters wide, X number of inches tall. It needs to hold this much cargo. It needs to have this much power. It needs to have a door like this. And so they just checked every box and it's the ugliest thing you'll see on the road. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, yeah, it's perfectly square. It's got like screwed on panels, you know, because that is all it needed. But then when you blend the engineering side with the beauty, you know, even take things like aerodynamics, like you could have a pretty aerodynamic car, but it could look ugly. Um, like the Cybertruck is technically pretty aerodynamic for its size, but it's not you know, a sleek looking vehicle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you bring those artists and those accountants and those engineers together and you build something awesome. Cause uh, you know, I love being here, love going through it all. I love that we got to really dive into the vision because I yeah. don't get to talk about that a lot. And it's something that I use like almost every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love hearing that. I love talk, you know, I love talking to you about with you having a kid, you know, talking about um how some of these early experiences matter. Yeah. They're important. And you know, we were talking just before the show about how you're starting to think about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I also love that you're like thinking about those things because it shows that you're a very deliberate father and you're, you know, thinking through all that. So that's awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, man. It's it's been something, like I said, it's 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 something that I've realized that I need to tackle if I want to level up. You know, if I want to be the the man that I know that I can be for my daughter and for my family, like it's gonna take getting through some of that stuff. And um 
Yeah, man. Again, I, I just, I appreciate you coming on and being candid and, and talking through everything. So yeah. So if you guys need a loan, man, y'all know who to call Albert Seuss over at Mortgage Apex. They're downtown Fort Walton. They're walking distance to all your favorite restaurants. You'll be able to go in there, talk shop, get a bite to eat. And you know, Pints and Properties is first Thursday, first Thursday of every month. And then uh, what else, what other communal things you guys got going on, uh, man? So I don't know when young professionals are going to meet now because I've passed the torch to yep. Kayla. Uh, but yeah, Pines Properties, come join us, come hang out. We can talk real estate, talk life uh, over a beer once I'm done with 75 hard. And yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do it. That's awesome, man. Well, Albert, thanks again for coming on, guys. If, if y'all got something out of this podcast, share it with a friend, uh, leave a review, let me know what you thought. Uh, and again, Albert's an open book. So if you guys ever need anything, hit him up. And uh, thank you guys again for joining us here thank on you. the Materializing Mindset Podcast. Boom.